And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100%. And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John well, welcome to the Weighing In Podcast, where my man, look at him, the, look at him, he's, he's trying to show his jawline, he's trying to get all, he's trying to look fancy, oh, he's now he's pulling it out, so go ahead, well, rub those Well, be careful nipples. what you say there, buddy, my pulling it man. out. <laughs> well, we know it's not going to, it's going to take a lot bigger camera, trust me. Oh, yeah. So, we got my man, Josh Thompson, we have got a good show for you, and we have got a special man that we're going to do an interview with someone that you know very well. You're going to need a camera with a very big zoom. <laughs> big zoom. Big, big zoom. zoom. With our man, Cain Velasquez, you guys enjoy exactly. the interview. Well, we are lucky enough to have in our presence a man that most people consider possibly the greatest heavyweight mixed martial artist of all time. Cain Velasquez from American Kickboxing Academy, where he is now coaching also. How are you doing, my man? Uh, doing well, John. Thank you very much. Oh, what's up, buddy? How you been, man? I, we just saw each other last up, week, and I miss you, and it was so nice to we see did. you in person. You know, I know we saw each other. Hold on. You missed him, but he didn't uh, miss you, you know. and he said that when he was there. <laughs> we, we, we've had a couple, we've had some hate-love relationship for, for a, little, a small little portion in there at one time. He wanted to kill me for a bit. <laughs> so, he wanted to kill me too. It's okay. I think he wanted to kill all of us at a certain point. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Josh, I mean, the way Josh is, I mean, you gotta love him because he, he, he deserves he speaks it. His mind, he stirs the pot. They, it's the reason why they call yeah. him a punk. Um, but uh, I've had a lot of great memories with Josh. Um, you know, uh, being at AK for for so long. So every time I get to see you, Josh is always great. Thanks, man. man. I appreciate it. Um, we saw mm -hmm. each other last week and, you know, and, um, you're coaching now coaching over at AK, which is great. You're in the back in the room. I mean, I was stirring the pot a little bit about, I'd say two months ago, John and I were talking. I said, you know what? He he's was looking good. I said, he's looking good. And what did I ask you last week? I said, are we going to see maybe a little bit of a comeback? Are we going to see a little comeback? <laughs> no, man, I'm just enjoying what I'm doing, you know, uh, spreading the knowledge or, you know, trying to help others. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, man, I wish I I'm could. Disappointed, dude. I wish I could do it the way <laughs> yeah. I could, but you know, it, it is what it is, and I'm okay with the way things are now and the way that I'm able to put the sport away and and how I used to do it. You know, so it's changed for me. So I can still go in and and obviously train when I want to, um, but I can also have those days off that I, that I really couldn't before. Um, so I still I'm still balancing it out. You know, with being able to do it and then also just being there as a coach and pretty much like going in as like this is as far as it goes for me well you yeah. could have had those days off back then you just chose not to take them because you're a fucking animal that's why mr workhorse <laughs> over here all the time um i mean how, what is it like though now being back in there and what is it why like it's hard for fighters like you walked away we got into the wwe wrestling but then mm -hmm. now back in the in the room do you miss it at all and do you think like does that did it cross your mind a little bit as you started getting in better shape no i never did man because i've always had like okay i've always been like okay like when i was at my, my prime or even before right like i want to do it a certain way you know, and that's being able to just be be free and let let loose and do whatever I want. And that's not the case as far as I just can't do that, man. 
like like i i let loose and it's like no man like up here it's all good but the body yeah. doesn't necessarily uh want to cooperate you know and you think you're all good and all of a sudden it's like no something something doesn't feel right um so my mentality just going in um dude it's just a lot of good things it's a lot of great memories um a lot of nostalgia looking at all the different people coming in and obviously putting myself in their shoes you know at, at which level that that people are in um and it's just a uh, it's another step of learning because before it was just me and i wasn't necessarily coaching when i was there like i would try to do everything by example but now that i'm there as a coach and trying to spread the knowledge it's like i can't flood somebody with knowledge like they have to be ready for it we have to be ready to receive it. Um, they have to be at a certain stage, like, to to get whatever they want out of it. And I have to be okay with with when they're ready. It's gonna click, just like it all click, just like certain things click with me. I have to be patient and ready, and um, understand the process. Be patient with the process. Everybody's at a different level. Everybody learns at a different level. Um, so it's kind of like learning how to coach certain people because everybody's different and how to talk to them and how to, how to say things where it, um, it'll, it'll resonate with them. So it's a whole nother way of learning for me, um, which is again, like that's why we're here, right. To better ourselves, to, uh, to get better, to, to help others. So I'm able to do that in, in this, in, in this, in this style of, uh, of training and coaching. When you look back at your career, you know, because I can recall when you first fought for Strike Force, then you fought at Bodog. And I can remember you were having a hard time getting fights. And you, it's, it's what's amazing is the amount of respect that you get. You, you, you had 17 professional fights because a lot of them fell out. If you were looking back on your career and you could change something as far as the way you train, the way you uh, accepted fights, the things that happened, is there anything that you say, yeah, here's where I would do it different, but, or no, it, it was all good. No, it was all good. I did okay. it exactly the way that I wanted to. Like the fights weren't there at that certain time. And I, and was that I, frustrating to I, you though? It was, it was for a short, for a short little minute. And then I just had to accept and just be like, okay, like that's not gonna be there. Or if it does, cool. And if it doesn't, I'm not worrying about it. When it shows up on my doorstep, I will take that. But I will do everything I have to do in the gym. I will I will get the uh the ring time in the gym. Whoever comes in the gym, like that's my heart's part. So we had uh Leota Machida come. We had um oh god, a bunch of a bunch of guys, a bunch of top guys come in. So it was almost like it was it, then it wasn't like oh like I got a week's notice oh, so this person's coming here it was like that not that morning it, it was like hey you have this person coming in you're gonna spar him for whatever and it's like okay and it, you know you get those butterflies and it was only thing missing was what was the big crowd but no man I wouldn't change what I did like I did train too hard but I loved it I loved that I get, got to do that man I I love that I got to go in every day and leave it all in the room in that day like i i knew i didn't have anything left in myself and i love that i got to do that you know i i learned a lot for myself i learned a lot just uh in life in general for myself doing that being able to push myself and 
going to battle and going to war every day and knowing that I did my best and that there was no more that I could do or that I overdid it. Like that was great. Do you feel that AK breeds that though? That's what I feel. I feel like I know it was kind of a little bit before your time, but Frank Shamrock kind of had that mentality. Don't stop moving. Keep moving. You won't even know you're tired until you stop moving. So don't stop moving. That was his mentality of training when he was there working with Javier. And, um, you know, and then the guys, the other guys like myself and then Fitch had that grind mentality. Mm-hmm. And Josh Koscik, man, we used to constantly tell him he was overtrained, you know, um, and just mm-hmm. certain guys, man, like a- almost all of our top guys just had a work ethic that just was like, no, let's, we have to spar hard three days a week. I mean, people were calling us crazy. Dana White doing interviews saying how stupid we were because we trained hard. But I mean, we were all, you remember the conversations we had after Dana put out those comments? We're like, man, fuck him. We're fucking, we're, this is, this is working for us. You were winning titles, you know, you know, Cost was fighting for the title. John was fighting for the title, you know, and then DC and Luke came later and won titles. I mean, Habib, it's Mm -hmm. all that grind mentality. I just feel like AK breeds that. And you're just saying that's exactly what made you feel like you were ready to go in that cage every single time. Yeah. AK did definitely breed that. And, we got like when I came in to the whole fight scene, and we came in at a, at a, I think I came in at a special time when guys were much more skilled in in the sport, and but they still had that mentality of of nonstop working hard and um, almost like almost almost hundred percent go versus versus like pulling back kind of mentality. Um, so obviously it worked for us, you know, with the with the age that we were that we were going in, and then we got to a certain time where the body just couldn't take it as much. So we really had to learn with that, and we, I feel like we were kind of like the first, almost the first wave of a group of of high level guys that that started happening to you know the, the really hard training, the really hard sparring, and knowing that we got to a point that hey. The hard sparring really it's gonna it's gonna hurt us a lot more than it's gonna like benefit us. You know, we got we got so good to a point that okay, the body needs to rest more. We we've already done it's the hard sparring, we've already it's... done all the hard training. Yes. Yeah. We now since we know all the skills, let's let's pull it back a little totally bit back. and all you just drill, you know, just drill stuff because you're already there, you already know what it feels like. Um the timing always has to be there and you can always work on the timing, but everything else is is already good, so I feel like we, we learned as we as we went on because the uh, the sport was so new. I feel, also feel yeah. that with Habib and him coming along, and Islam and these guys when they first came, they kind of helped change the mentality because they'd be like, "No, I'm not sparring mm-hmm. today." But then they would work. We'd go spar, do our hard rounds, come back in, spar a little bit in the red room. But then we'd see them yeah. just for a full two hours or hour and a half, just doing wall drills, wall get ups. They were just doing it with, you know, with yep. is they were working together, but they were drenched head to toe, just working on the techniques, flowing. And I think yeah. they kind of helped change that mentality of you don't have to spar every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You know, you don't have to go hard. And uh, if you're not feeling it, then do something else. And I think that that helps elevate your game too, because when you look at pro boxers, and pro boxers only spar, you know, they don't start sparring until like the last four weeks of their camp. And they only spar probably one day yeah. a week, but they do their rounds. They do, they start for six rounds or eight rounds. Then they go 10. Mm-hmm. And if they're doing a 12 round, well, they, they build up to it, you know, but they start off with six to eight rounds, you know, depending on their level. I feel like, you know, yeah. that's kind of what you guys are breeding now. Um, yeah. Well, 
I think okay. I think um, I think everybody was on the same page once once those guys came in, once Khabib and once Islam came in. Um, so I think obviously, aka like uh, Javier, I think he learned it more so from mm-hmm. us. From you know, from us, like we go in and we we necessarily didn't feel like sparring, but we we're like, hey, you know, f it, we're we're gonna spar. Yeah, you know, it's gonna happen. And then some of those times that. It was it was kind of productive that we ended up getting hurt, you know, for something dumb, you know, when we didn't yeah. need it. We would talk constantly, and Hobb would say, you know, uh, I know you didn't feel like sparring, but you still wanted to, you know, mm-hmm. like or you told me this is going on and you weren't 100 percent ready for, for for all the sparring. So with that talking, like he got used to saying, hey, if something's wrong, if you don't feel 100 percent with all of this then it's okay to say, hey, coach, I don't feel 100% today. I don't want to spar. I'd rather drill or I'd rather just yeah. box or I'd rather just drill some stuff, you know, getting getting up from the bottom, kind of kind of whatever. But obviously it's a, it's a learning process, you know. Now we're very much aware of like, hey, you don't feel like sparring or it's not 100% like, you know, going for sparring, then that's yeah. okay. It's okay. Yep. Kane, I got I got a two part question because one is I have to work with Josh all the time, and all I hear from him is that oh, heavyweights are not talented. It's only the lighter weight guys. So you could please explain to me where he became retarded in that situation and thinks that. Wow, well, we're then, using that, that that language, are we? Retarded? Really? I got to. When you are, you are. All right. And the whole thing, if if possible, and you could go back in your career and. Fight someone that you weren't able to fight. Is there anybody out there that was that was the guy that I really wanted to compete against? Um, well, I guess to test myself against the uh, well, I feel like I did. I test myself against the the toughest guy out, and that was that was Dos Santos. Um, but the guy that I always looked up to, that I would have wanted ultimately to test myself against, would probably be against Fedor. Okay, you know, yeah, yeah. makes sense. <laughs> Get some light. Yeah, I would say Fedor is somebody that I looked up to. I mean, that that was the that was. I mean, he was a man, you know, when I was going in, and he had everything. And obviously, I wanted to. I wanted to have my skills as as good as his, mm-hmm. or or evolve to something like that. When you when you look at that <clears throat> when you look at that matchup, how do you think that you would have fared? I mean, when you look at him, he's good off of his back. He's got good ground and pound from the top. He doesn't have the same type of wrestling yeah. you had, but he's got the Sambo foot sweeps, hip tosses, things like that. Yep. And, um, <clears throat> but I mean, like, those are all things that you did really well also. But how do you think you would have fared? Cardio, I would have given to you. I would have given the output to you. You know, he tend to fight at like kind of a little bit of a pace. You know, he was wild and careless, yeah. you know, sometimes, but he had power in his hands. Yeah, I mean, that, that would have to be a fight where I'd have to stay nice and clean with, with a stand-up. My hands would have to be nice and tight, nice and clean. Um, the way he threw his punches, well, obviously for me, I've, I haven't really seen anybody throw those punches against mm-hmm. me. The way he yeah. threw them, it was almost like a, like a Russian style of like yeah, boxing. Like round. So that would, get, that would be a little hard to get used to, but um, obviously we would have worked on it. Um, you know, in the clinch and stuff, it would be a lot of... Uh, a lot of dirty boxing, I believe, you know, and um, not giving up any type of underhooks, um, being aware of his hips. So I think it would have been an exciting fight, man. I think it would have been a fight just kind of 
back and forth. Um, you know, I think I think getting caught with one of his punches, I think would have you know would have done some damage to me as well. So back to talking about the guys at the gym. You know, you said that you have to coach a certain way for specific people. You know, different people because their levels are different. But when you're looking at certain guys, when you're looking at like. Um, <clears throat> When you're looking at like Usman and Umar and Islam and those guys that you've worked with, how are they different inside the gym when you're talking to them and communicating with them? Dude, some okay, somebody like somebody like Islam coming in. Um, I it got to a point where, dude, not not a lot of guys get the better of me on the stand up, and he was kind of he was one of those guys where he was just a lot more crafty than me on the stand up. And I was like, whoa, okay, this is this is a, like another level, you know, kind of thing. Um, where I was like, damn, he, he he has something really good with him. He understands this game very well. Um, he's very good to stand up. So it was almost like, damn, like like he's doing exactly what he needs to be mm-hmm. doing. Um, and then somebody like Usman, man, watching him, it's like there's not much I can tell him. Yeah, you know. Like little things, little <laughs> just little little things. I have to keep. I have to like study him so hard when he's sparring to give him something, mm-hmm. you know. But it's not even necessarily. It's not even there when he's sparring. It's more like afterwards. Like, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. It's more more of like picking his brain, you know, to see if he'd want to add something, yeah. you know. But it's more of like he does it so he does everything correctly. Where it's like I don't have to say anything. Like he's good. He also you know, does it and, effortlessly. And, yes, very skillful. Just Man, what about little Umar? And so little, th- so with the little with Umar, man. Again, he's he. I believe he's there. I think believe he's he's almost just like a step uh, underneath. Um, with some guys, somebody like him, taking a little more time on their punches, sitting down a little more. Um, you know, to, you know, just a little more power, you know, let, let your body, let your hips kind of do the work, um, kind of thing. Don't, don't speed the punches so fast where yes, you're, you're tagging somebody, but you know, change the pace a little bit, um, change up the rhythm a little bit and give a little more damage, Hmm. you know? Yeah. Kind of thing. So when you're coaching them, they're all three, they're all three extremely different. And then when you ha- have you been around them yet? When uh, Habib's been around, and how how is their yes. how is their interaction with him in terms of when he you and him are together now in coaching them? Like how how do you see the how do you see their performances change when he's around? I mean, with Khabib coming coming over, man, it's more of a yeah, dude. He's he, he's the coach, yeah. you know. Um, whatever, whatever he wants, they, they do, um, you know, strong team mentality, strong emphasis mm-hmm. on team and in, in general, um, Khabib, I think has got a little comfortable, a little too comfortable, you know, so I give him a hard time. Like he comes in and he wants to sit down and, you know, drink his he's, coffee. He's retired. He should. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, dude, like, no, I'm like, dude, you just started being a coach. You can't come in here and then put it and then take on these all these habits. Not saying that they're bad habits, but like, you come in here, you automatically sit for the first half of practice. Like, get up, move around, get up, like, do something, do something. Do, I love it. Yeah, do something, please. You know, like, you're here. Your presence is here. Please, like, 
not be more involved, but he's gonna uh, end up like Javier. But don't <laughs> don't just be coming in sitting down. Oh, you know, don't just do that. Uh, don't do that. You know, kind of thing. Um, no, but America. I mean, Khabib no, knows yeah. what he's doing. He knows this game. So um, I just, you know, I just try. I'm just trying to squeeze out the better of, of yeah. everyone. You know, and if I have to do it a certain way, I will. Josh keeps on bringing up your coaching. I'm bringing you okay. back in time. I want to go back all the way to UFC 121. That's when you. Hey guys, won. is this a little it, dark it is here? A little, it just is a little. A little. Dark. Sure, sure, I, I got a little light right here, yeah, dude. Yeah. My bad. It, 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 sunset, just, all right, hold go ahead, on. Turn let, it on. Let me do this real quick. Okay. Yes. Sorry. Take your sorry. time. <laughs> Pause for the champ. Pause man. for the champ. Sorry. Sorry. You're good. Nothing to be sorry about. Excuse me. There he is. I feel like Josh all of a sudden. It's horrible, man. God. Sorry, man. The sun just went down. Boy, it went down fast too. It did. It did. Oh, okay. okay yeah. This is better. And we can. Dave yeah, can lighten it a little bit too. Lighten it a little bit. <laughs> Beautiful. Look, when you won your title back at USC 121, there was a lot of people that they really compared. You know, Lesnar at the time was this guy that, you know, everyone thought, man, so big, so strong. And they were comparing your wrestling credentials. And I, I can remember having, an, well, it wasn't an argument, but there was certain just people say that were Dana White. The UFC just that, say Dana White. I'm going to fucking say There was no doubt Dana in his White. mind, you were not winning that fight. And, yeah. I was, and it was like, I go, he's going to kill him. And he goes, there's no way. Brock was a NC2A champion. Kane was never a I said, he was a fucking All-American. It's right there. It's, it's not, there's, it's, we're talking points yeah. here. Right, but you went out in that, and he tried to take you down. He did, got you, and you got right back up in the scramble. And from that point, you took over in that fight. Do you remember those moments in there? Are they still with you, or is it almost like a blur? But you were the first person that showed, no, no, there are levels to this, and he's a big, strong guy. But when you are a fighter, there's a difference. Yeah. Um... So it just comes down to like, well, I think of it as, as as styles, right? Styles and preparation. Sure. Um, I mean, for his style of fighting, yes, big strong guy. I knew, I knew very dangerous. Also with his hands, you know, even though he wasn't very comfortable when the stand up, but he he still creates some power. He's very athletic, good wrestling. Um, so I had D Daniel Cormier and then another wrestler, um, Mark Ellis. He was a NCAA champ. Yeah. Missouri yeah. from from Missouri yes yeah. so we had them too and so our I, I like automatically and just naturally I was very good from standing up from the from from the yeah. bottom like I was just very good at escaping but that whole camp man I I worked with DC and and Mark where I would start sparring all the way on my back with with 16 ounce gloves on and then just just laying on top of me and me just getting up and then and then like like sparring from there. Yeah. So I was already in the worst position. And whenever whenever at the time was more so Bob Cook, he would he would break us. He would like we'd be in sparring, you know, just in the mix back and forth, and he would break and say, "Kane, lay down." And I would <laughs> stop at that moment. Whenever he would, you know, whenever I didn't matter, I'd stop, get on my back. Have those guys get in the worst position. So, like, you know, they had the underhooks and my Which hands would be. Put you in a bad position. And just yeah. continue to stand up, stand up, stand up. So I, I felt very comfortable 
if I didn't get knocked out or anything, like you took me down, we were gonna stand up and the fight would be there. So that's what that's what happened, man. And I still remember that, yeah, in that fight. Um I remember how strong he was now and, and I just kinda had a weather the storm. Like I just had to like let him do what he wanted to do. You know, he put me up against the cage. I felt so stuck there, like I wasn't moving. Like I'm like, I'm not moving. I'm staying here until he does something because I, I can't get out of this. Um, I, I even remember putting my foot like in between the cage and the canvas mm. and trying to shove my foot in there yeah. so so he couldn't he couldn't get me. And he picked me up. As soon as he did, I was just, again, just so good at getting up from the bottom. I just hit that bounce, came up, and then a couple of those, I know what that does to somebody. So, you know, the the hard work of taking somebody down and somebody getting right back up is just a, kind of a mental F, you know? Yep. Um, so once I did a couple of those, I weathered that storm. I knew that I could start being a little more comfortable and then, um, you know, start, start just kind of start doing my stuff with the stand-up. Yeah. What was your, when you look back, were your, when you look at your career, do you think your defining moments were the, the Junior Dos Santos fights? No doubt. Yeah. And, Yes. Yeah, they were. In, in the first fight, I mean, you and I both know you hurt your knee the week before, and you know you were just basically trying to get to the fight. You know, just doing whatever you could, but never used as an excuse, no, though. You never did. But we we all like after that. In the second two fights, what was your mentality knowing how the first fight ended, going into the second two, going what, yeah. what was it? What like, I wanted, to, always wanted to pick your brain about this because yeah. I tell people this all the time. Your your second fight with him, you literally came out and just shot right away. And you and then sometimes you were like on your hands and knees, scooping for the ankle, grabbing to the single, whatever it was. It was almost like you didn't care what people thought because you just kept grind, you kept pushing on the on the takedown, on the takedown, make him defend, make him defend, make him run away. And some people get some fighters get so caught up in like, oh, I don't want to look bad, like I'm desperate for getting a takedown, but. It leads yeah. to getting to there. It leads to, in a five-round fight, that early work of takedowns and aggressiveness leads to what happened in the in that first fight and also in the second. And the what I really, really admired about you in that fight was your constant head position against the fence, making mm -hmm. him constantly look up at the at the ceiling, not knowing what was going down down like going on down below. You know the the you know the head yeah. position, the punching, you know shots coming from different angles. But what was your mentality going into the second fight? So, I mean, it was kind of like back and forth, man, going into that second fight. So, like, going into the second one, I was, uh, you know, there was, all, there was almost a little bit of doubt. Like, okay, I didn't get to do anything that I wanted to in this first fight. Is this guy as good as everybody says he is? And it's like, he's proven it, you know? He, he doesn't get taken down. He hits really hard. His boxing's really clean. Um, it was almost like, am I as good as, as, as I think I am going into this? Um, so man, I just had to go somewhere. I went somewhere really dark with myself, man. Like, like I'm going to go in, put pressure on this dude and I don't care if I get hit on the way in or, you know, if, if the same thing happens in the, in the, in the first fight, but I'm going to go in and throw everything I have at this guy. The whole time, and when when they came you know, back though so, with the rematch, were you thinking Fuck, again? I gotta fight this guy again? I mean, like, what was your thought when they said, "Hey, we want you to fight him a third time"? 
Because I've had I've, I've had those no, type of wars, and I'm thinking every time they yeah. call me, Coger called me to fight Gil. I was like, son of a bitch. <laughs> I was like, all right, you know, you have this nemesis in in, in Dos Santos. Yes. No, man, even um, I knew, man, even though, you know, I felt like I won very decisively in that first one. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the second one, second sorry. One. Yeah. I knew that it was going to come down to us fighting a third time, you know, even though, like, I did what I did in the second fight. Um, so, man, yeah, dude, I just had a, I, got, I went somewhere dark with myself, and um, I knew I had to just put the pressure and punish this dude no matter what, you know, and um, I wasn't going to stop. You know, unless unless he knocked me out, so so I did that. You know, just went in through everything I could at him the whole time, and I knew I knew there was a possibility that he wasn't going to be you know put away. He wasn't going to say you know stop. He was just he was just going to keep going. Um, so doing a lot of things, man. I uh, the third round, like going out, the like after the after the third round or going into the fourth. I feel like I was in a faint, like totally. Like I was walk, I was standing up, we're about to fight again, and I'm like, I'm gonna faint. <laughs> and I just said, like, just keep going, and if that happens, it happens. But just keep going, you know. Like it's okay. I was just talking to myself, like, like very calmly, like it's okay, like it's okay. Just keep doing what you're doing, and if that happens, it's all good. But just keep doing it, man. I'll just try so, to explain it later. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, like it's a, it's like it's okay like whatever happens it's all good you know and i didn't know how if i could have kept going or what but i did you know i just kept going kept pushing myself like so i i just really learned a lot for myself in in, in that fight and in the second and the third fight well when you take a look at those fights and i always say that there's there comes a point in I equate, you know, fighters to, you know, being almost like a sports car, especially when you get up to the level that you reached, mm-hmm. level that Josh reached. You're, you're like a sports car, and, you know, you're finely tuned, and you can only take so much damage in a fight before that damage starts to affect you for the rest of your fights. It was too much. It broke your, it broke, you know, your vehicle down. And I, I look at that first fight, Junior took too much damage. It should have been stopped sooner. The second fight, and the and the second well, excuse me, yeah. the, the second fight, and then the third fight. Yeah. He was a completely different fighter after that fight. You you can even take a look at his record. Mm-hmm. You take a look at the wins and losses. All that he only had one loss mm-hmm. when you beat him that in that mm-hmm. second fight. He had one loss yeah. in his career. You beat him in that second fight, and then you beat him in the third fight. And those two fights, in my opinion, that changed the course of his career. You know, he was a great fighter, but you can only take so yeah. much damage before you're not yeah. the same. Yeah, I, I think of it as all like a, a learning experience, you know, especially in the sport in general, you know. And that's from everyone, you know. That's the fighters, the, the people are judging, the, the, the ref, every, like everybody. Like, it's all learning experience. Like I didn't, I didn't know how much this guy, uh, you know, junior of his, his, I guess, you know, his, his, his autopilot, like what, what is he on autopilot? And I felt like he was, he was on autopilot a, a lot of his second fight and the third fight. Cause he, he talked about, he talked about like, he didn't remember a lot of the fight. Cause you heard him, <laughs> but he was, but he was fighting back the whole time. It was almost as if he was, you know? But so that, that's what training almost, yeah. does. That's what that's you in mm-hmm. training and what you did. You know, you know what you're thinking, but everyone on the outside thinks you're looking fantastic. 
Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's all learning thing. Like we didn't like I like didn't know you know I had no idea what what the things could have happened like afterwards. But um, you know we we both we both knew what was at stake, and we both you know we both put it all out there. You know. And let me yes, let me move so. forward though to when you lost to Verdum. We were talking, and even Javier was pleading with you to go out to Mexico City earlier, like a month yes. out, and you were you were being pretty stubborn. Is that mm-hmm. something you look back and you <laughs> kind of regret, or is it something? I mean, I know. Look, the fight, a fight's a fight, but well, do you think like I could have could have went out there maybe a month earlier, or I should have, or do you ever have those? Do you ever oh, have those yeah, thoughts? Dude. <laughs> I learned, yeah, dude. I learned a lesson during that fight, and then right after that fight. It wasn't like I was fighting with myself like I should have. Like, I knew, like, okay, like, this is what happened because of this. Like, yes, it's something totally different, yeah. you know. Um, I Well, all, all I can do, again, is learn from my mistakes, get better. Um, so in that, uh, before leading up to that fight, I've been to Mexico mm-hmm. a bunch of times, and I've worked out there. I've done a lot of things there. Um, and I've never felt like that there, ever. And that was something different, you know. That was a... That put me on my ass. That that humbled the shit out of me. You know? did, did, um, when you say you were in Mexico, were you at Mexico City working out? I was. Yeah, I've been there for so. I've been there so long. Um, in Mexico City, I've gone there so many times. Okay. I've gone there. To, I've gone there. I trained. Obviously, I've never fought mm-hmm. in there before, yeah. but I've done so many things there where I felt okay. If I go two weeks, I'm mm-hmm. good. You know, versus being doing a whole camp there, and man. That was not the case. <laughs> that oh no! Like I remember the first after the first round, Stitch is trying to work on me, and I'm just like, get away from me! Like I don't even know what's going on. Like just you're stop. in my space. Just stop touching me! Like yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't care what's going Give on. Give me right room here. for cut, air. Whatever. Yes, yes. Like just ah, uh, I almost like didn't. I I was. I almost was in a place where, like, I didn't know what was going it's on. It's that suffocating feeling, yeah, right? Well, like when someone's close to you and you're yeah. trying to get your Ooh, breath, yeah. and they they're too close to you. Like, just you're in my air. You're breathing my oxygen. Like, get away from me. Hey, hey, whatever it was, karma, whatever, man. It taught me a lesson, and it's all good. That, hey, hey, it was, it was something else. Yes, it was. It was very. It's a very strong, profound lesson. And no, man, I got that right away. And it was like, yeah, it hit for a while. It did, you know. And again, I wish I would have, whatever. But it's like, I just take it as, hey, that happened. I learned from it. This is my road. And, and what I did, I have to be okay with, with, with what I did. So, yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I got to ask you a question. Do you forgive me? Because you were so upset with me <laughs> over the second Daniel Cormier John Jones fight. And it was funny because you know I do. Yes. in the back. Thank you, I appreciate that because I was like, well, you, I do. Man. I don't know what yeah. you, you want. Gotta from tell me. us though. You gotta tell <laughs> us. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I, look, I know, I know, but I don't, maybe the listeners don't know. What are you talking about, John? Ah, uh, oh, you look at you know John Jones was gonna fight uh, DC for a second time. It was in Anaheim, yeah. California, I believe. And uh, you know, in the back, you know, you go in and you talk to the fighters, and same thing I'd done with Kane and you. And, you know, I'm talking with Dan and saying, okay, look, at this is what I'm going to be looking for. He said, John, don't, don't stop. Just don't stop my fight. I said, Dan, I will let you go as far as I can. I promise you. He goes, well, just don't stop. I'm going to be fine. You just, I'll let you go as far as I can. And so it's one of the things, especially when you got a championship fight of that caliber yeah. and those kind of guys, yeah. you, you got to let them go a little bit farther. And you got to, you know, you got to make it to where 
people can't sit there and say, well, you stopped it early. Or you, know, you but you don't want to let it go too long either, obviously. And that's, it's, it's yeah. a fine balance. And when you when you have someone that you're caring about, like Kane cares about Danny, he's been his training partner for a long time, and things didn't go Dan's way, you know. Afterwards, you know, Kane looked at me. He says, "You know, you know, I, I think he called me a fucking <laughs> asshole." <laughs> he goes, "You're a but fucking it, okay. asshole." <laughs> there was a there was a lot of things to it. Um, I, I did uh, think, and we talked about it, but I did think it was it went on. He took too a little, long, too, too much long. damage. Yeah. Which the the one hit the one kick that got him like I like mean again me yes it was me and it was Daniel so I sure. I know I know this guy more than absolutely you know, you know him better fight, than everybody game. exactly so the hard hit that he took with the kick I knew I was like oh shit he's in trouble already you know he's yeah. on ice skates normally like he's like that doesn't happen yeah. to him he he doesn't act like that and then the hits afterwards um, you know there were I don't know two or three like. Good, strong, clean hits yep. already. One could have been, you know, back behind the behind the head. He was he, he whatever. Like I feel like he was he was kind of done already. Yeah. You know, like he. And that what really what really pissed me off. What really did, like, it was the doctors and it was the UFC. What really did because I knew he I knew he wasn't he wasn't there. Yeah. You know, like I knew he was not there, and I. And. I put my faith in the doctors, especially the doctors of the UFC, of the UFC. They know this whole this game, right? And they have to they have to take the obligation of protecting the fighters when they are in a place like that, when yep. they're not necessarily yeah. all all there. Okay, maybe that's never really happened like that. Uh, I'm sure it has, and people have been concussed, but they can kind of gather their thoughts a little bit where they seem presentable on camera afterwards. You he should was never. Not. You should never put somebody who's been concussed on camera, especially afterwards. somebody like that. Where DC was was like that, Emotional the way that he was, yeah, in the yep. state that he was. Like, I agree. He with wasn't you. all. He wasn't there. He I wasn't. Agree with you. Yep. And I couldn't believe that they put him on camera afterwards. I I told the doctors off, like you guys got to make a decision, you know, to to not put him on camera because he's not 100 percent there. Whatever whatever you got to do, you know, evaluate him. Whatever the short time that you have to do, you have to protect the fighter, especially like that. And what he did afterwards, like I knew he wasn't there. There was something very wrong with him. And then finally, when I got to meet with him face to face and we were talking. Like he just kept asking the same question over and over again for who knows for how long. Yeah. Like for me, it was probably an hour straight. Like I'd answer his question and he kept going back to it. You know, like almost as if we didn't even have the conversation. This was going on and on and on until he went into the uh, on his way to the hospital. And I think all night he kind of did the same thing. Yeah. So I was just very yeah, man. In the situation, like I just thought you guys are around this uh, the the doctors more so. Like you guys are around this so much that you should know. When somebody is is up to par to be themselves, or they're not, yeah. you know. And obviously, it was more personal because it was Daniel. Yes, so it's it's yeah. a lot. It's a lot more difficult. Don't blame People me at all. Realize how much more difficult it is to corner your friends than it is to fight. Horrible. I mean, cornering your friends. I mean, I'm sweating. My hands are sweaty. I'm like, your nerves are there. I mean, I've I've cornered. Um, 
Have I cornered you before? I thought I did for the Strike Force fight, but I don't think I. No, I didn't. I think I was fighting on that same card. Um, <clears throat> but, I can tell you just watching him yeah. watch guys that you know, or his friends that he trained with. He's horrible. Horrible. Uh, watching you guys <laughs> fight. When I watch you guys at home on TV, it just dry. It's I'm out of. I, it's hard. It's hard to watch you guys fight and then cornering you guys. Right. I cornered Trevor Prangley so many times. John Fitch and Koss. You know, even Swick, I've I mean, everyone, I've cornered a lot of the guys. Yeah, and it's just stressful. It's more stressful than actually fighting because, you know, when you're in there, you have control. You feel like you have control. But when you're not in there and it's your friend yeah. fighting, you don't have any control. You're just, all you can do is give the best advice and hope that they can do it or hope that they can achieve whatever their hope goals are. Hope they follow are. it. So there's a little bit of that, that emotions. Yeah. The emotions are running wild, especially when it's someone you train with, like with you in DC. I mean, you guys were attached at the hip, yeah. you know, from the moment DC walked, walked in the gym. So I like to tell this story about how your dedication is in the gym. Was it your hand that was broken and Javier had you do what? 500 kicks each leg, a thousand kicks every day because he couldn't use his hand. So there was two big bags in the gym and he could step from left to right, left to right. And he would do 500 kicks each leg. So a thousand kicks total. And every day to come in, Javier would be like, nope, don't put your gloves on. Don't, don't do anything else, but just go over there and do kicks. He couldn't do shit for like, I don't know, almost what? Three, yeah. two, three weeks, four weeks, three or four weeks of just. N- oh, probably yeah. more than that, man. Yeah. It was, it, it was a clean yeah. break. So yeah. for, for John, I kid you not for, you know, for say over a month, he would come in every yeah. day, kick, kick, kick. But then after that, That's but right. after that though, pretty damn good. Yeah, at you kicks. got really good at setting up yeah. your hands and your kicks and your kicks with your hands. I remember working with you a couple of times and I'm obviously shorter than you and you were just, he was just resting his foot on my head a couple of times. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, but how much I'm going to go to Javier now because that mm-hmm. type of influence, how much of an, of an yeah. influence has he had on your, not just your career, but your life? Cause I know he's, he's the godfather, mm-hmm. you know, of your children of, of, um, Coral and yeah, oh, Coral. Coral yeah. Yes. And, and so how much of an influence has he been on your life? Dude, um, I, uh, dude, huge, huge. Like, um, obviously when I first got to AK, I met him. I didn't, I didn't know much about him, but it was almost like when I trained with him once or if I saw him, I saw him coach, I knew that I had to work with him and I knew that I had to like, like this dude knows it all, you know, with the stand up and everything. Like I knew like this dude knows it all. Like, like if I could be with him, in any way, if I can learn from him at any time, I'm gonna do that because he, he he knows that he gets it. And then getting closer with him, man, I knew that it was just like we kind of grew up very similar, you know. Um, we had those those things that you know that that um, that we, that we could uh, relate from. But dude, just in the fight game and like his past experiences and just what kind of person he is, what kind of heart he has. I knew that I wanted to spend as much time with him in the gym as I could, you know, and then off the gym, like I just, uh, he's a guy that I can tell anything to, you know, I can be, I can be, I can be silly, you know, with him. A lot of people, I can't be with him. I can be, I can be like a, just a, like, like a dumb little brother, you know, to, you know, with him. You know, and he just tells me like, "Shut up!" Like, like, "Shut up, dude!" Like, but it's just like, I don't give like with him. I don't care, dude. I'll just like, I'll I'll say the dumbest things. I'll be I'll be a wacky version of myself with him, um, 
And I just love, yeah, he's a person that I just love being around. I love to learn from. Um, I love being in his presence. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think a lot of us have had very similar, um, relationship with him, you know, from Travis Johnson to myself, to you, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Habib now, and like, you know, we're all close with him. He's, I think I've tried to explain to people that for me, it was more of like a father figure, you know, um, when I lost my dad at a young age and then he kind of helped fill that role a little bit. And he, he ran me at the track and, you know, in the mornings early training in the afternoon and, you know, and he would ride me hard in terms of, you know, and, uh, you're, oh, you're, you're two minutes late or, oh, you know, you were supposed to run at eight 30 you're it's eight 32 or eight 31. No, I'm not running you yeah. yourself. Those things like you need a coach to hold you responsible. And I felt like he did that with you. And I think these, they excel mm-hmm. the, how our careers excelled once we started working with him. It just, I think it speaks volumes of his commitment to just not AKA, but the fighters at AKA. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, he's built, you know, he, he's the one who yeah. built it, you know, AKA what it is, the core of what it is, the course, you know, teachings of, of how to keep growing, of how to keep getting better. It's mm-hmm. him. It's him. Like it started with him when he, you know, when he was kickboxing and when he started learning, you know, this, this, this craft and Obviously, he he's more of a stand-up guy, but he understands all of it. He understands the wrestling, the jiu-jitsu. Um, not that he can necessarily teach it, but he understands what somebody needs as a fighter in general, what they need, what they can work on, you know, where they're at. Um, he's just been around it so long. Like that's his, this is his world, you know. And just what he's done, that AKA man, is just it's incredible. So. I'm just happy, man. I get to be a part of it. You know, I get to, like, for me to help out in this moment, however long that lasts, like, I'm glad I get to be a part of it and hopefully, you know, keep that legacy going or keep keep raising them. And that's just having people, again, just having people come in that are on the same page they can work well together and help them. Uh, I mean, uh, just always improve, always evolve. Yeah. Let, let's take, I, so you know, this is going to make podcast day very happy because <laughs> I'm actually going to talk about pro wrestling here for a second. You went and you became part of Lucha Libre, which is, it's it's a different mm-hmm. style, but you started doing that. Then you went into the WWE <clears throat> How did you get started with the pro wrestling? Was it Cormier? Because I know he's a pro wrestling yeah. freak. But your pro wrestling oh, career, you were looking good. Then you went to the WWE. Then it was kind of COVID and everything kind of came to a sudden yeah. halt. You know what? For me, it was always it was always there as far as like, okay, I, I grew up watching it. Um, you know, I, as, as a little kid, you know, I've always loved, uh, karate, you know, like karate movies. Like I grew up, I grew up watching all that, um, action movies from the eighties, nineties, um, Lucha, you know, then going into WWE as well. Um, then I started, then I started fighting and I was doing a lot of, a lot of promotional stuff over to Mexico. Um, uh, I think I think it was Michelle. I think it was Michelle. Like maybe put it in my ear. Like you should do some some pro wrestling, some lucha. Why not? You know, kind of expand in that way. And I was just so focused on fighting, man. Where I kind of like was like, 
no, nah, I'm good. Like I want to, I want to, like I'm focused in this. I want, I love this. I want to keep doing this. I don't want to explore anything else. You know, I wasn't thinking like that. I just had like the blinders on. Then we finally got the opportunity to do something with with Triple A Lucha Libre. Um, dude, it was more. It was more of like, okay, this is like I want to. I want to try this. I have no idea. Like I have no idea. Like yes, I've watched this and everything. I don't know how. The matches go. I don't know how the the style is. I don't know how people work to you know together. Like I like I don't know anything. So I tried a couple of practices here and there, and it was like, and it was just like it felt, I felt very at home doing everything. Like like I would learn learn things like 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 right away, pretty much, you know, without doing them before, like and without knowing them too much. Um, so. I got I got the whole the whole lucha match set up, and not not so many people know this man, but like I got this whole setup, you know. And then my knee was my knee was jacked from from the um, Inganu fight, so I was jacked, dude. I was like I could barely I was learning how to walk again on my knee. Everything was torn, but my ACL, so everything was torn in there. It was all jacked up. And I had this wrestling match set up, and I'm like, dude, I can't back out of this. You know, like I can't do that. So I went in and practiced a couple times. You know, with, there's a local team here, uh, Wrestling Wrestling Revolution, where they do a lot of lucha here in San Jose. I did a little bit of stuff, but I'm like, I don't even know what I'm learning. I don't even know if this is what I'm supposed to learn. Like, I have no idea. So the week of we go to Mexico, like. I don't have I don't have a costume or anything like I don't have wrestling gear at all I don't have a mask I don't know what I'm doing my knee's pretty jacked but I do have a brace on like so I'm like okay that's good but I don't know anything else of what's going on I'm like and a lot of people know that this is gonna happen you know DC's making a big deal of it and I'm just like this is like I was just like this is gonna be so so fucking stupid because <laughs> nothing's ready. Nothing, yeah. nothing, nothing yeah. is ready. Nothing's going on. Like I have nothing. I have like, I have no clothing, nothing like, dude, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm talking about it. Like, like I'm doing this, you know, doing all the promo stuff and everything. And it's like, oh shit. Like, okay. So they, dude, they, they, one of some of the guys there, um, his name, uh, I forgot his, um, I remember his name, Oscar. Oscar from Mexico City, who does a lot of the, the Lucha guys like outfits. He, he sizes me up real quick and he's like, all right, I, I'll get you some stuff. And I kind of just talked to him about like what we're doing, you know, like what, what I would want my outfit to look like, you know, come out like uh, the bull, El Toro. So he has a few masks that he does like uh, through just drawings and he sends them to me. He's like, what about this? And I'm like, finally, you choose one. The day before, we um we go out and practice and like hey they're like what do you want to do and I'm like I don't know man I want to do some lucha stuff I guess like you tell me you tell me what to do and I'll and I'll do it I want to put the mask on dude so he did we we <laughs> did they, they told me all the moves to do like do this and this is how it's done like like just show it to me and I'll and I'll try it boom I did it like it was like everything I tried I did it I was like cool I got it I got the match like. Like good, I feel good about that. Now, like, now let me like I don't have anything to wear. Okay, it's still gonna be kind of stupid, but I'm gonna do the right thing. 
<laughs> Finally that night, man, I had the mask came in, the the gear came in, and I was like, oh, dude, perfect, like all good. I went over everything that that night, the day the the day of, boom, boom, boom. We fucking went out, we did it, and it was just like, it was just so crazy, man. It was just crazy. People loved it. Like it was just crazy. Like yeah. to not to for it to not go all together up until the end the night before. It's just it, I just laugh at how life works in in those ways. And if and it all came together, you know. And there's like for me no complaints. Like nobody even knew anything. But my myself, yes, I was I was I was uh yeah, dude. I was I was stressing a lot, you know. Like, you were not. Pre- you didn't feel prepared, was, even though you were. I was not prepared. No, no, I wasn't until the day before. Until the oh, day before, geez. I was not. Then it all came together. We went out. We did it, and it was great. Yeah, it was just a great experience. The mm-hmm. panic. That's awesome. Dave, Dave, I want you to come on camera because Dave's got something to show you, buddy. He's a big fan of this whole thing. Go ahead, Dave. Oh, this is Ken. <laughs> I'm gonna f- come down to San Jose, okay? <laughs> And I think, uh, oh, jeez, I, I told him about that belt score. too many times. <gasps> you don't wear a belt that you haven't won, dude. Uh, hey, I already, I already proved I won it. <laughs> you, you lost in that one we saw in, in, in Scotland. He used to do these backyard, like, neighborhood okay. like, WWE stuff. And he's yeah. got some funny clips of him getting beat, though, by one. But it was just funny. Full, full on hitting people with fluorescent lamps it's, and all oh, that wow. stuff. Okay. Very hardcore. Dumb backyard yeah. fighting. Yes. Throw, That's right, called dumb backyard fighting. DBF. Right, let's do it then. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, let's do it, Ken. Bring it. I'm going to yeah. bring in that weak shit. Okay. <laughs> hey, they may call you Kane, but I'm the big red machine around here, okay? <laughs> the big red machine. <laughs> okay. Where did that oh, come from? Dude. Hey. I'm the trying to big cut, red machine. I'm trying to cut a promo. That's what Kane's nickname <laughs> if is. If you like, had red hair, I could understand it. <laughs> All right. All right, so hey, Kane, um, <laughs> I'm going to get you off WWE wrestling, but you, we used to train, not only did you train with DC, Mike Kyle, mm-hmm. you know, top a lot of top Paul Bonatello, a lot of these top guys who were in the UFC got all the way up to almost fighting for the title or did fight for the title. Yeah. But there's a young guy right now who's basically next in line for a title shot in Sergey Pavlovich. Tell, tell us about mm-hmm. your training with him. Like, and he's he was good back then. He yes. lacked the he lacked the wrestling, you know, that you had and DC mm-hmm. had and stuff. But he had the power in the hands. He had yeah. good footwork. He had good movement. Yeah. He's got you know he's good. Tell me about your your training sessions with him and tell me what we should look forward to him and how hard and how, what what do you think it's going to take for him to win that title? Yeah, well, well when he did come in, AK, I mean, it was, it was definitely a while ago. Um, yeah. but no, like, I didn't know much about him coming in or anything like, but we, we ended up like, you know, just, just technique sparring, not, not hard sparring, but I, I remember having a, having a tough time with him closer to distance and almost even like big guys, like I'm a lot quicker than him. So I can close the distance very quick with him. It was, it was difficult. Like, and then even when I would come in, um, I would almost like, I, I would feel his punches, you know, coming at me or, or they would, they, they would uh, connect. Right. So I knew something was a, and even when I got in, it was very hard to like to get in clean, to get a good, you know, like single leg, double leg on him. It wasn't it wasn't easy. Like he made it very difficult. So I knew he had something very special just off of that. Like I don't know how much how much um how much uh just the experience that he had going in, but he had a lot of great skills come in. Big, strong, 
hands were fast, hands were nice and strong. He was very long and he used his length, uh, his reach very, very well. So I thought he had something very good. And knowing how much he's, he's definitely like how much work he's put in over time, he's definitely somebody who's a real deal. Who's a real deal. Um, who knows how good he can be as far as, uh, you know, being the guy for how long. But I think he can get there. I think he, I mean, he's already getting there, but I think he can be there and be that guy. Yes. Well, you've seen, you've seen uh, tape on John Jones. You've seen John fight a lot. You've seen the talk and helped uh, DC train for John Jones. You look at Pavlovich and you look at John Jones. I know John's got to get through Stipe, but mm-hmm. you see that Pavlovich and John, I mean, how do you see that fight matching up? Well, somebody that can, that can match the length, right? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know if if they're if the reach is identical or who who's is longer or what. But somebody that can that can match it and throws it well, who knows how to throw hard punches, and can can stop the takedown. Like he's just a big strong dude. So it's almost like you're hitting like you're hitting like a tree. You know, it's not like it's not like you're hitting something that's like they're moving. Like no, you're hitting something, but it's like it's it's very hard. That it's something very hard that you're hitting. It's hard to break through his, you know, his his defense. Like, mm-hmm. so I think, dude, I think his what he brings to the table is very strong. Like, it, it's um something that that John Jones will have a lot of trouble with. So I think he matches up really well with somebody like somebody that can come in and 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 and, and I, I would choose, you know, Sergey as a favor in that fight. I would choose him over somebody like John Jones just because of the punching power, the reach. And how he's so good at the takedown defense. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, yeah. That's saying yeah, a lot. That it is saying, dude. That's saying I, the the most. Yes. That's saying that, a lot. That's saying them. I understand. That's saying them. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That is. That is. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can well, John, yep. Kane, and John. Like we, we've John and I yep. talked about this a lot. Is that the, look the guys that have given John Jones the most difficult times? Guys like Gus. Gustafson, who have long reaches, Dominic Reyes, long arms, big body, like guys that are similar in size have given him um, the most fits. The biggest because trouble, he yeah. can, he's used to being able to put his hand like on their forehead, you know, and just kind of keep him away like a big brother because he's so long, yeah. you know. Yeah. And he's don't get me wrong, he's gifted, he's blessed in terms of his athleticism and his talent, and he's put in all the work to be to be the probably one of the best fighters, if not the best fighter ever, but. He is, uh, but like I've noticed, he's got he has problems with guys that are big, and I think if Pavlovich mm-hmm. can stuff a takedown or two and make him rethink shooting in, make him pay a little bit off of those exchanges, like you're like you're saying, it could be a problem for for John Jones. Yeah, it can be. It can, and somebody who's that long but also hits the, as hard as he does. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, I just remember it, just, it wasn't easy to get in there, you know, with them. Like, uh-huh. and that's that's not. There's not a lot of people that, that that bring that to me, you know. So me myself, knowing that how long that was, how hard it was to get in there, like I knew this guy was something. Like he has something very special, mm-hmm. and like for for as long as he is, um, I had trouble, you know, on the outside. And normally I don't. I don't have trouble there. Like I can move pretty well until I have to close the distance. But with him, it was it was very difficult. So. Um, I think the the as we start to wrap up a little bit, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is I know um, a lot of the stuff that you've been going through um, in your personal life, 
I don't want to get into too much. Obviously, um, there's a lot of things about the case here you can't, you shouldn't talk about, and you probably can't. But I just want to know how your family's doing, how are you doing, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and your experiences, like whatever you're willing to yeah. share, you know, with people at home. Because a lot of people have been hitting me up. Hey, how's Kane doing? How's this? I said, look, man, I'm not the person to talk about it. You know, it's uh, it's got to come from him. So here you are, and <laughs> you know, any, yeah. anything, any, any, anything you want to drop. Anything you want to talk about and uh, in your in your life that people want to know? Uh, no, I mean, as far as my family, man, you know, as far as the people that that are there, you know, um, obviously my my kids, amazing, you know, they're great, you know, uh, Michelle's I as do. well. I do. Um, know. They're very strong. I just feel like. They all they they did the right thing, you know, like and I feel like there's like I um I just love the progression, you know, even with all this like uh attention on them. Yeah. Um the progression as as people, as as kids, like I'm very happy and, and I love that that though they've been hurt through all this, they're they're survivors and they're and, and above, above and beyond. You know? So I'm just very happy and blessed that um yeah, man, that it, you know, it's it's, it's gonna be okay, all of it. You know, and, and whatever that is, like as long as they're they're good, like I'm good. Um so man, I would just say with people, man, it's 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 awareness, you know. Like we can't be scared to talk about things like this. Like these things happen. There are people out there that that prey on people, you know, that are kids. Yeah. In the worst way. You know? And you don't know what's happening until you know, until somebody's ready to speak up. And a lot of times that doesn't really happen. So I, I would just tell parents and, and, and loved ones, man, it's it's uh, communication always. Mm. Open communication. You know, talk to your kids, talk to your kids and what's right, what's wrong, especially in those times of like simple stuff as far as like using the bathroom, you know, like, you know, identify what, you know, what, what the privates are and it's like, tell them the boundaries mm-hmm. of what's allowed, what isn't allowed, you know, make it known, make it, make it a, not a thing of like, no, don't talk about that. No, no, no. Talk about that constantly, like the boundaries of what's acceptable, what's not, how to be treated, how not to be treated. And if something like this happens, what to do about it, right? Yeah, I, th- I think that parents um, sometimes have gotten too lax on some things. And I'll give you an example. I have a friend who used to just let their daughter just go to the bathroom because they could, like a soccer practice or a football practice or whatever. And just they could see the bathroom from there. So they thought it was safe. Never. And the one time the dad went and luckily the dad went and he walked into the bathroom to open the door and there was a male standing behind the door waiting for little girls to walk in. And so it's a real, like, that's one of those things. And luckily he pushed pushed the door open and actually hit the guy. So Mm -hmm. it's just one of those things. I think parents need to be more aware and understanding of how these things can take place at any time. And um, in this process, what have you learned in terms of how you can share with other parents, like yeah. on how they, what precautions, what type of things can they do to, in terms of not just communicating with their kids, but 
other ways? Is there any other ways that they can help prepare their children for for knowledge about this? Yeah, no, well, number one is obviously it starts with the communication with you and your child and letting them letting them know again the boundaries, what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and that to not be ashamed of anything that, that's ever happened. You know, be okay with with talking about it. You know, being an open book with each other, and that they're not going to be judged in any way. You know, there's a, a lot of like manipulation that happens in, in those ways where like kids get embarrassed, you know, and I think even with parents, man, the thing of when you hear something, when your kid says something, you know, ask more questions, follow Don't, up, follow up. Don't just think, oh, they said this, like, that's not what they meant. Like, mm. follow up with it. Because a lot of times, man, these things happen and like people don't say anything, you know, they, they take the child out of that situation and they tell the child, okay, this will never happen to you again. You know, I'm taking like, you're, you're taking you out of there like for, for, to, to not be embarrassed, like, but then you still have somebody there that's going to be doing it to others. That's going to bring on the trauma to others. You, you know, you, you're going to continue that, that, that bad cycle. So it's a thing of like, as a parent, you need to start, you need to ask questions, follow up and do something about it, you know? And that's, that's calling, um, child protective services, calling, uh, the, the, the police department, you know, as soon as you hear it, boom, documentation, you know, recording and not asking questions. Uh, I'm sorry, not, um, not, not feeding answers or to, to the child, you know? letting them say on their own of what happened, you know, kind of give a generalized, like what, okay, what happened in, in the bathroom, what happened in this day with, with so-and-so and, you know, recording it, you know, so getting that, that kind of evidence where you're not telling them, okay, like, like feed them the answer. You can't do that. You know, that's a big, that's something big that, that I found out through all this. Um, so, but you have to report it because if not, the person is going to keep doing to someone else and someone else and someone else. And a lot of, a lot, like from what I've heard, it's almost like the majority of people that this happens to, the majority of kids that this happens to, number one, they don't say anything about it to anyone until they're way older. Yeah. And if they do say it to their parents, the parents don't do anything about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you yeah. have, you have one, the kids are just shy and not, and ashamed of what happened. And not wanting to go there, you know, and they maybe keep that the, the same cycle goes on with them over and over again. And then they themselves do that to somebody else or happens to somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. So you're just creating like a, a big, big community of, of people that, that do this to others. And then telling your parents and then your parents don't do anything. Mm-hmm. They don't report it. They don't, they don't do anything about it. So then now... You have a, you're thinking you're protecting the child, but what happens is now you have the child who's resenting the parent, the parent for not doing anything. Mm-hmm. You know, now yeah. that now that's now that's forever. That resentment will last forever, and it'll grow forever. It doesn't go away just because they're not in that situation anymore. It's, no, you didn't do anything. Like other kids are getting hurt. You know, like you didn't listen to me here. Like that big old big trust there is is broken. I had, I had read I had read something when you were going through all this. I had read something because there was a lot of stuff going through the internet during the time, especially in San Jose. And I had read an article and it said that 
80% of the kids that tell their parents, they end up having some sort of mental illness because the parents don't do anything about it. They go through depression, they go through suicides, they go through all these emotional issues as they as they get older because like hey i told you and you didn't do anything so parents think they're protecting their child when in fact they're harming them even more it's like you're the person that's supposed to be protecting me and you're not you're just trying to you're trying to tell me it didn't happen you're trying to push just sweep it under the rug and those children end up later on uh resenting their parents not just resenting them but they end up being suicidal they end up being depressed they end up living a lifestyle that could have been prevented yeah yeah, man. Um, being as you know, being a parent, man, you have to put all your. It's not easy. It's, it's not easy, but you gotta put all your all, all your stuff to the side, man. And now it's it's for your kids, you know. I like, tell par- I tell yes. parents all the time, man. Look, be honest with your kid. Tell your kid if you want to know something, ask me. I will tell you the truth. If you need to tell me something, tell me. I will not be mad at you. Yep. And the whole thing is. If they believe that they can go to you with anything mm-hmm. and you're going to tell them the truth or you're not going to just think bad things about them, yep. they're going to come to you. And that's yes. what you need. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, it's true. I have a little note that I gave to, to my son and he puts it in the top drawer and it says, it? you can tell me anything. You can bring me this note. I promise I won't get mad. It's just saying hey, he's, he's used it, you know, twice already. It's just one of those things. He pulls yeah. it out. He's like, Hey, you said, and, and the funny part is it's like over dumb stuff. He's like, Oh, I had a root beer float at school. <laughs> it's like, yeah, Cause he knows I'm not, we don't do soda in the house. And he's just like, <laughs> yeah. I had a root beer float at school. <laughs> I was like, Oh man, bro, come on. But there's all good. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just wanted to know, I know there's not, there's not much you can talk about, but the last thing I want, my last question will be, when all this stuff was happening and you were in jail for quite a while, but mm-hmm. I would go every time to, I'd go to almost every one of your courts, uh, dates and, um, for your hearings. And I just noticed, did you get a feeling that you felt loved because there were so many people out in front of the courtrooms in front of the courtroom and the media, the, I mean, everything, I mean, everyone out there with free cane, uh, shirts mm-hmm. and signs and, you know, out in front, every time you had a, a court date, there was tons of people out there. I mean, did you get, did you, how did that make you feel? It gave me a lot. It gave me strength, man, is what it did. It put me in the right place mentally that I needed to be to, for, for where I was at, you know, all the possibilities and everything, you know, going through my head. Like, yeah, it gave me strength. All the love that I was getting from people, Obviously, I didn't see it. I saw a little bit of it, you know, when I had the, those court dates. Mm-hmm. But people that came in and visited me would tell me, you know, of, of kind of things that were going on. So it gave me strength. It gave me strength to um, to keep thinking positive, to keep being on the path, you know, mm-hmm. on the righteous path. Like, like it gave me strength that mm-hmm. that I could do this. I can do anything. Like it's it, it's okay. It's gonna be okay. Whatever that is, whatever okay is, like it's, it's gonna be okay no matter what. Um, so it gave me a lot of strength. I just want to thank. I wanted to love to thank everyone, mm-hmm. you know, for that. Like I felt it. I did. It gave me a lot of strength, That's man. Awesome. So so I wasn't down. You know, I could have been down my whole days being there, but no, man. I was. I was myself, you know, and I got to share that even even in there. Yeah. I got one question for you, last one, and it's because I know that Josh can't do this. You ride a one wheel, right? 
used to. Used? I don't know if he still has one. one yes. Yeah, she does. Do you I still one. use it? I do every now and then, yes. It's all yeah. right. Dude, yeah, man. It's, it's amazing, man. It's, uh, oh, those are great. Man. I have one. This is bag on Josh. Is, and that's because you're a true athlete. Josh, yeah, that's why he can't do it. I can do it. The heavyweights can do it. The lightweights, they have problems. I watched George St. Pierre fall off of one. So <laughs> let's be honest. It's the heavyweights that can always, handle these things. You can always fall off, but yes. Like, um, <laughs> man, there's always there's always cool things to keep you active, you know, that, Absolutely. that, that help you keep learning, help you help you keep that connection between, you know, the body and the, and the mind together and keep you keep you strong so john so yeah it's a great it's a, it's a great thing <laughs> i i thought he was fucking crazy the first time i saw him at the in front of the gym trying to ride that thing i'm like what the hell are oh, you shit. doing i'm like you're already accident prone in the gym like now you're gonna take it outside oh. and just try to you know like get hurt break a wrist i don't know man gotta have fun uh, in life this, King. gotta yeah, have fun yeah. yes you do um All the time. Hey. hey man i want to thank you so much for coming on and uh mm -hmm. it means a lot it means a lot to Same me here. and i appreciate you and um you know, I don't know. I can't say much, but man, it's been a pleasure uh, training with you, working side by side with you, and just uh, you mean a lot to me, man. So it means a lot. Likewise, man. I appreciate you. A lot of good on. memories, dude. <laughs> a lot of great memories. Um, I loved it, man. That yeah. was definitely a highlight to you know, big part of my life. Um, no, man. Thank you guys. I appreciate you guys for having me on. I appreciate you guys' the time. I love what you guys are doing in the sport, what you guys have done, and what you guys are doing now. So, continue success. Wait, wait, Save wait, you, wait, 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 John. I want to tell you one last what. thing. How does Islam get it done? Yeah. We can't go on. We can't, can't not ask oh, you. How does no, Islam get it goes. done with here Volk? Come on, give me your prediction. How's he get it done? Dude, just uh, outscaling him, man. It's going to be a tough fight, you know? It is, but he just, he's just so good everywhere. He just, he just, he just outskills him, man. The stand up and, and the wrestling on the ground, you know? Uh, I just think he's, just one step ahead of uh, a Volk, yeah. Got it. All right, brother. Hey, I just want to tell you, thank you, thank you for everything. Thank you for being the class act that you've always been. You're, you're one of my favorite fighters in, uh, in the heavyweight division. You definitely are a legend. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. The great Kane Velasquez. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Kane, for coming on the show, Josh. You know what? You've had nothing but time around Kane and, and being in that training room with all stuff. I did a, a lot of things around. I, I love the fact that I was able to kind of razz him he, that he got mad at me and he called me a fucking asshole. <laughs> I mean, it was very upsetting to me. The shoe I fits. I couldn't take it. Well, you know what? I, I didn't say he was wrong. No, you didn't. I just said it was upsetting. Okay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but man. It, I, it was one of those things that, you know what, when that happened, I really, I was like, I like you even more because yeah. he was doing it for his guy yeah and it really showed me where his heart was at and stuff and he's a special individual he's a guy that you know what anybody that gets to spend time around kane velasquez is going to be a better person for it so that's one of the best things i can say about anybody and he's that guy i think given all the situations that he's going through right now i think his character has been shown on what kind of person he is and what no doubt about it what kind of person he is and what he's done for his family i know it's caused him a lot of hardship but he knows why he did it, and we all know why he did it. And you, you can't find character like that anymore in this world. And so the fact that I can call him a friend and uh, he calls me his friend means a lot to me. And um, he's a good dude. He's a good yep. dude. Down to the no core. You see the way he was with DC? 
and you see the way he is for his family, that's who he is. And so uh, I wish him nothing but success in whatever it is he decides to do from here on out. And um, I'm glad I can call him a friend. I appreciate that. And uh, I think good for him. I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of him in that yeah. coaching role, yes, which is good. Are. That's something that, you know what? That's, that's, that's a good thing for him. It's a good thing for everybody that gets the time to spend with him. So congratulations, mister. We will see you later.